it would be simplistic to think, hey, designers should focus their effort on making a pretty chair or making a pretty mobile app. Welcome to the Sarah Tajima podcast, where we discuss conscious design for humanity and the planet. My name is Sarah Tajima. I'm founder of The Craft, startup advisor, and impact investor. In today's episode, I want to break down design for you. So what is design? Design is a pretty misunderstood action and industry. Prior to becoming a part of this industry, I thought of design as aesthetics, and this is how most people think of design. But design is not art, and the creator is not the user of the product or service. It would be simplistic to think, hey, designers should focus their effort on making a pretty chair or making a pretty mobile app. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that is output. The final solution prior to an entire design process, like looking at a duck above water and everything looks really calm and you may think you have the full picture, but actually under that water, that duck is pedaling pretty hard. Let's look at a car as an example, because I think this is something that most people can relate to being in a vehicle. So Henry Ford famously said, if I asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So we can see that Henry didn't take the problem that was presented. He dug deeper. How might I enable people to get around quicker? And cars started off simple enough, but through the use, Designers discovered, for example, that people need seatbelts because they might get ejected from the car during a hard break or during a car accident. As we move along towards the present, we see emergency braking systems, sound effects to alert you when a car is in your blind spot, Bluetooth and quality speakers to enhance the experience as you're driving in your car. So companies continue to ask, how do we improve this for our users or our customers? that helps a company stand out and generate more profit. Because if you think about it, we don't want to be in that car, which I've been in before, where you have to crank down the windows. We want that car that's like maxed out, the highest package, has the seat warmer, the sunroof, the Bose speakers. Considering this, what if I told you that great design is actually invisible? Great design is not about what you see. It's the fact that you didn't have to even think about it. It was so seamless that it just blended in. There was no opportunity for you to get lost, to get frustrated, to get fed up. It just works. That's design. And this ability to bring simplicity and solutions to very complex problems and systems is really why designers should be equally focused on things like global hunger, clean water, sustainable cities, universal healthcare quality education, and so forth. If I had to describe design in the simplest terms, it would be an approach to problem solving and a method of communication. This is why we so often see this stereotypical statement on design portfolios that I solve problems. Well, yeah, designers do solve problems. If you're in this industry, maybe you've heard this saying, form follows function. I want to touch on this because I'm definitely not dismissing the output or the value of aesthetics. These are mutually beneficial, so form and function. Attractive things are actually perceived to work better. Don Norman is considered sort of a father of UX. He's also one of the creators of the Nielsen Norman group, 
and he has many awesome design books, which I would encourage you to check out. In this book, Emotional Design, Don Norman talks about this study that was conducted. Two studies were done, showing that attractive experiences are perceived as easier to use. So two Japanese researchers did a study on ATM layouts, and they found that the attractive buttons were perceived as easier to use. Trektinsky, an Israeli scientist, was skeptical of the study that the Japanese scientists did, and so he decided to reproduce it. He recreated the entire experiment, and he did it in Hebrew. Not only did he find that usability and aesthetics were correlated, the results were actually stronger in Israel than they were in Japan. What is the significance of this for design? Well, basically it means that form and function are complementary. So yes, form does follow function, but they are mutually beneficial. Humans are not robots, and so this component is important. As Don Norman says in the book, aesthetics change our emotional state. Emotions change the way our mind perceives something and the way that our mind solves a problem. Taking advantage of form can massively boost the user experience. and. Now I want to dive into my experience. My area of expertise is as a product designer. So I've worked in tech for about a decade now. I originally learned to code and then switched to working in product design once I realized that was actually a career option. And the truth is that I wanted to be a designer from a pretty young age growing up, but I came from a background and a time maybe where we were not encouraged to pursue creative careers. And also maybe you can relate to this, you know, as an Asian or having immigrant parents. The ideal careers were really lawyer, doctor, engineer. In a roundabout way, I ended up becoming a designer anyways. And it has been incredibly fulfilling. Becoming a designer has fundamentally changed the way that I think and thereby the way that I live my life. While I work in tech as a product designer, when you hear the term product, you may actually think of a physical product, like a car or a toaster or even an iPad. However, as our world becomes more digital and more online, the word product designer has really spread to any product, be it physical or digital. Some people do get hung up on titles. Who has the right to call themselves a product designer? But in my opinion, titles are completely irrelevant. They will change from company to company, you know, what it means to be a senior product designer at a small startup with 10 people is going to be very different from what it means to be a senior product designer at a company like Netflix. And over time, the same words come to mean different things. So instead of focusing on semantics, the real question to ask is what impact are we having as a designer? What design has meant in the past is how are we impacting the user and how are we impacting the business? How are we reaching those business goals? However, I would argue that what it must mean over the next decade is how are we impacting society and the environment? So not in replacement of, you know, the user or the business, obviously that needs to be a priority for a reason, but in addition to, and this is conscious design. So let's demystify this career and this field and talk a little bit about what product designers do. Let me give you a very real perspective based on my own experience working as a product designer in the San Francisco Bay Area. A designer creates an experience by identifying the right problem to solve, collaborating with teammates, aligning stakeholders, and creating a functional solution. 
let's talk about each piece. The first piece is creating an experience. We frequently see, as I mentioned on design websites, I solve problems. And if we take a step back, I'd argue that we are ultimately creating an experience and that problems can and do arise along the way. Like if we go back to this car example, the problem, let's say that Henry was solving, was thinking about how do I make it easier for people to commute? But then the problems that might have arisen along the way are related to how do we make this vehicle safer for people? How do we prevent people from getting ejected out of the car? How do we make the ride more enjoyable and more comfortable? How do we prevent people from merging when a car is in their blind spot? How do we make it easy for disabled people to get in the car? So those are some examples of problems that could arise. Designers are constantly finding that balance between solving high-impact problems for users and meeting business goals, and this is a delicate balance. Often, these go hand-in-hand, hand and they're complementary. The second thing, which cannot be stressed enough, is that designers identify the right problem to solve. There are so many problems <laughs> when you have a product or a business that can go from minor to severe. Designers identify these problems, whatever problems exist, they prioritize and they create solutions. This means that designers need to understand business goals, strategy, revenue models, and how to bring stakeholders into that process. So we would be missing a huge piece of the puzzle if I did not point out here that often what a client or what a company initially identifies as the problem is often not the major underlying problem. So you want to solve the root of all the problems, right? Ideally, instead of solving high-level problems. When a designer does a bit of digging, they can quickly unravel that thread that can go much deeper. So why put a band-aid on a shark bite? Three, collaborate with teammates and align stakeholders. Collaboration is a massive part of a designer's role. And I cannot tell you how much I underestimated how much diplomacy is involved in being a product designer. The most important people to a product designer are the product manager, the design manager, the engineers that they work with, and the other designers on their team. Working closely and being aligned, working closely with the teammates and being aligned on scope, goals, processes, and outcomes is critical to success. As a designer creates, they evangelize. And this is specifically what I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, which is that people often misunderstand design as just the visual result. This means that designers need to often, depending on the organization, evangelize not only, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, but the design process as well. So designers are diplomats. Getting a design across the finish line means having patience, asserting yourself, telling a compelling story, and bringing in data to back your decisions, whether that is qualitative or quantitative. So the fourth piece here is designing a functional solution. Designers are responsible for an experience that not only works, but that delights. And I got a question the other day on LinkedIn in my comments about what does it mean to delight? The short response is to go back to this piece that we covered with emotional design, which is to really understand the emotional journey, and you can map that out as a customer is going through the experience of using your product or whatever the experience is, right? Whether that be driving a car, going through a checkout, making a purchase, 
and being able to really understand the emotions entailed in each step and designing for that and creating not only the function but also a form that delights is going to have a large impact ultimately on that experience. So the solution should first and foremost help a user accomplish their goal, right? That's the reason that the product exists. So you can check that off. But the solution also needs to represent the brand. It needs to maybe utilize the design system if you have one. Uh, it needs to be consistent with the rest of the product because you want your customer to know when they're using your product who it belongs to. Remember that design is a very multifaceted role. It requires many skills. The deciding factor in the design is not how it looks, it's how it works. Clearly design matters. Now that we've done a deep dive on product design and how we execute, hopefully it's a little bit more clear why designers are particularly important in this conscious design movement. It's no longer about just balancing the user and the business needs. We need to think beyond that one step further to social and environmental impact. For example, when Instagram created their product, they definitely weren't thinking about how this app would impact the mental health of teenagers or how it would increase body dysmorphia in teenage girls. That spike in depression and increase in suicide rates for teenage girls was an accidental byproduct of the app. Similarly, we can look at another example with facial recognition technology. Back in 2018, there was an MIT student who was working with a facial analysis program, and she realized, although their team was diverse, it couldn't identify the Black people that were on her team. So as a designer, the question I ask myself here is, is it possible that a largely white team tested the technology and didn't bake diversity into their design and testing process? The New York Times article reads, facial recognition technology is accurate if you're a white guy. And that's definitely not the tone that those people intentionally set for facial recognition technology. So the conscious design movement asks us to go one step further into, yes, now we've, you know, satisfied business requirements and we've created something that solves the user's problem, but how are we impacting society and the planet? So if you have examples of this, I would love to hear about it. You can send me a message or drop me a comment on LinkedIn. I'm posting there daily. If this resonates with you, you can also give us a review and let the conversations begin. I'm really excited to share our next few guests with you.